You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. Oneofus.net and all of the shows on it are 100% subscriber supported. Please consider becoming a subscriber to oneofus.net. Keep the site and all of our great shows going and get some terrific bonus content as well. Good evening. My name is Marco, and I will be your spirit medium for this review. I'm reaching through the ether. I'm trying to contact the spirit of dead critics. Roger, can you hear me, Roger? Gene? Gene, is that you? How's Pauline Kale doing? Is anybody there? Okay, fuck it. This isn't working. I'm going to have to do this with real live reviewers. Fortunately, we have StreamYard, which is sort of like a spirit medium, but, you know, just done through electronics and the internet. And much less likely to get you, oh, I don't know, inconveniently murdered by a vengeful spirit. So let's not fuck with the spirits. Let's just introduce my guest this evening. I'm joined by Lewayne. Hey, how's it going? You look very lively, sir. And Drew. I would love to know what Pauline Kale thinks about the medium. I really would. As would I. But the one thing that makes us all better film critics than Pauline Kale is we're here alive to talk <laughs> about a movie, and she can't. So suck it, Pauline. Oh, wait. No, no, no. Pretend I didn't say that. I, I don't want her to come haunt me. <laughs> Spirits are vengeful little bitches, and you do not want to fuck with them, as the characters in the medium find out. I am talking today about a brand new horror film called The Medium, directed by Banjong Pisantanakun. I hope I got that even remotely correctly. Interestingly, this is a Korean-Thai co-production. The film is set in the Isan region of Thailand, starring a Thai cast, but is co-produced by Na Hong Jin, who made a very well-regarded horror film back in 2016, The Wailing. So if you thought that was a long, terrifying, uncomfortable experience, and you want to relive that, then hey, the medium might be your thing. Before I let my reviewers get in on this, I'm going to just go ahead and give a very brief synopsis to what turns out to be a rather complex plot. We follow a documentary film crew who are interviewing the titular medium, uh, a woman by the name of Nin. Uh, she is the medium that is inhabited by the spirit of Bayan, a local deity that has been using members of her family for generations as a medium. Now it's her turn. Uh, she also has a niece named Mink who is starting to suffer some very strange effects. At first, Nin thinks that the spirit of Bayan is trying to take over and transfer itself over to Mink. Her mother, Noi, is very, very concerned because she also has a history with this spirit and also has a very tragic family background because it turns out she married a man whose uh, family, all the men in her family die horribly. Gee, I wonder if there's a connection here. The documentary film crew follows them along, and at first Mink seems to be very much a modern young woman going, I don't believe in all of this stuff, it's nonsense. But before long, uh, it becomes pretty clear that something is happening, and it's inevitably supernatural in origin. This was a pretty tough movie to watch. It is two hours and ten minutes. I was never bored, 
but it is a rough ride. How did you guys feel watching this? Because that's kind of the Korean part of it. It has to be a little extra long, right? Everything from South Korea, at least, is, you know, two and a half hours. So this has to at least be over two hours. I think this just, just played at the London Film Festival. And if I was really sitting down and didn't know anything, I would think that the, in the first 10 minutes of this, that it was a real documentary. It really feels like that for a second. There's there's one shot suddenly, like about 10 minutes in, of this scary, blind woman. And you start to kind of realize, well, it's actually not that. But it really is convincing you know, for for the, the first like 10 or 15 minutes. And then it kind of goes into this whole idea of this like shaman inheritance, a goddess or a god or something that's inhabiting, you know, one shaman for a long time in this region. And now it wants to go and, and taps into somebody else. Uh, so I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, this is in case you guys haven't sussed out yet. This is a found footage documentary style horror. Normally, I just start to feel dread that's totally unrelated to the horror that the movie produces. It's like, oh, God, not another found footage horror film. But this one really takes advantage of that particular convention and puts a fairly fresh spin on it most of the time. You're right, Drew. A lot of times it felt like, yeah, this is like an ethnographic documentary. They're going into this small regional culture and talking to them about their customs, but in the course of making the documentary, some weird things start to happen, and the focus of the documentary shifts over to the young girl. If you're a documentary filmmaker, you're probably thinking, oh, great, this story just got really good. But as we find out for everyone in the family and some of the poor cameramen, some things should be left alone. <laughs> you're going to see a lot of found footage elements here, but for once, they actually feel earned. Yeah, it's assembled like a documentary. Even when things get completely bonkers and go beyond what would normally be part of an assembly, there's even a final scene at the end of it that really does feel like you've just watched a documentary about this. It just happens to have a half hour of really horrific stuff about two-thirds of the way through it. It was also interesting to see the Thai shaman equivalent of like an exorcism type thing being performed, because... We're so used to the, you know, a priest shows up and he's got the host and a cross and some water and some half-ass Latin and then, you know, ah, the thing. But this is like, these are huge elaborate productions and it was just kind of amazing to to even, just from a technical standpoint of getting it set up for a movie, let alone even doing this as a real ritual. Like if you had to do this every time you had this situation. That was itself sort of impressive to watch. One thing I did actually like in the early interview parts with this shaman, she does a thing that very rarely happens with spiritual healers, which is if they have a medical problem, I send them to the doctor. Right. I'm like, thank you. Thank you so much. That was funny. That was great. <laughs> because she's like, I, I, de I deal with basically mystical things, curses and spirits and things like that. I'm like, great. Stay in your lane. We're good. I like that. It was just sort of refreshing to watch. Yeah, Sawani Utuma as Nim, the shaman, for me, she's probably the most appealing character in the movie. She does have a tragic past, and you realize that she has reasons of her own to be resentful about the things that are happening. But when it starts affecting her family, she really commits to trying to get to the bottom of this. There's actually a mystery element. The opening of the film tells us that at least... And I have to just go on what the filmmakers are telling me, that in Thai culture, spirits uh, reside in everything. Whether it's trees, rocks, people, animals, their spirit can transfer onto anything, as, as 
banal as a plastic bag or a used condom or a part of a broken child's toy. The idea is that the spirits could be anywhere. At first, she thinks it's the spirit of Bion who is trying to transfer back. As we find out, her sister was supposed to be the original receptacle, but she chose Christianity. She chose to be a modern woman and disavow her Thai belief. And then the spirit transferred over to Nim. And now they think that perhaps the spirit is trying to transfer over to Mink, the young niece. That's only one of the first of many red herrings, which I found really interesting. This plot is a lot more complicated than your average found footage horror, which usually tends to stretch out fairly simple plots over the course of the movie because of just the way they film it. It's actually a pretty involved plot and has a lot of twists and turns without ever breaking the illusion that you're watching a documentary. Well, I'd like too that, that you know, with, with Mink, the, you know, the, the daughter that she doesn't want to be a shaman. She doesn't want to have anything to do with that, just like her mother too. So it kind of became a little bit of subtext there as kind of not being in charge of your own life and, and kind of having, you know, the spirits of the past influencing now your parents and this older generation. And you really don't want to have anything to do with that. And then she gets kind of sucked up into it anyway. And she thinks it's something to do with her, her family and tradition, but it ends up being something totally different. That's actually one of the things that's sort of interesting about this one, at least with the primary characters, you know, uh, Nim and Mink, uh, Mink's mom, the the uncle as well. They feel like real people, yeah. like in a family, and they have that sort of dynamic where they act like, yes, I absolutely care about you. I love you. I don't want anything bad to happen to you. But, oh, my God, I cannot stand you. Get away from me. Stop <laughs> ruining my life. And it, it really adds a lot to it because this this does get wild as it gets near you know into the third act and stuff and that's that's awesome to watch you know just from a from a cinematic standpoint but i was really surprised to find out how affected i was by the human drama leading up to it like i've joked on a couple other reviews about like look give me the drama or give me the horror but stop trying to do this thing the horror works even better because of the experience we've had with these people before everything completely goes off the rails. And it, it gives it a lot of weight that not every spiritual possession type film has when it gets to the climactic scenes. Yeah, they make very good use of their time. That is the advantage of this extended runtime, because we spend the first 20, 30 minutes just getting to know the family and getting the backstory, uh, which is complex. It's it's not impossible to follow, but it is involved. You have to pay attention. The first time we meet the family as a group, they're at the funeral of Noi's husband, Ming's father, who has just died of cancer. And at first, it just seems like a typical, normal family. You know, they're grieving, yes, but then they get together and they're having fun and somebody starts drinking and someone's like, hey, stop talking about me. Stop trying to rule my life. And it just feels like a pretty normal everyday dysfunctional kind of family. I wouldn't even say dysfunctional. It just seems like they have the kind of problems that every family does when they get together. Hey, you never hang out with us anymore. You're too busy doing this. Why don't we ever see you? When are you going to get a new job? And then, of course, once the supernatural element comes in, the family immediately rallies together, but you see that they all hold resentments against one another, and that definitely drives the drama beyond just the occasional creepy moment that is supernatural in origin. Well, this is a good film that, that shows that like, this is the real reason why you watch foreign films in the first place, where you can kind of, you can, you can see things that 
maybe you're a little cliche for you or, or the found footage trope, whatever it is, or a possession movie, which this does kind of end up being, but you're also being introduced to an entirely new culture, new ceremonies, new traditions, and a, a new location, everything that's, that's that immediately draws you in and makes it feel completely different. And it's kind of nice, you know, if, if you're if you're a horror fan that's not used to watching, you know, subtitles, it's maybe the, that familiarity of, of, a, of a found footage thing can make you want to watch this too and stick with it for the two hours. I'm glad you mentioned subtitles, Drew, because I do have to address one of my issues with not the movie, but with the screener that we received. Shudder was kind enough to send us a screener in advance to review, and the subtitles for the dialogue, I think, are actually really good. Sometimes when you see subtitles, they're trying to translate idioms that don't translate very well, and the language seems awkward. This feels very natural. It feels very well translated, very easy to follow. However, there is also a lot of text on the screen with what appear to be chapter breaks or bits of exposition that appear as text. Because this is shot documentary style, very often you have a talking head interview with some kind of title next to that person, but it's not translated for the audience. And as good as the film was, I felt that I was occasionally missing some crucial bits of exposition or some helpful context. Yeah, no, I think I think that's that's fair. I think that's that's something that's that needs to be addressed. I think across the bar, you know, whether it's Shutter or even Netflix, even you know, I, it it bothers me. Subtitles have bothered me for for um, a long time on streaming services, not to actually watching them in the theater or getting used to watching subtitles. But you know, even Squid Game that's that's so huge right now is is bother me a little bit but it's 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 the presentation of the of the subtitles that's bother me where it's not a stylistic thing anymore you know it, it just it just looks like words on a screen and it it completely takes me out of the film a little bit too where the, you know they used to you know subtitles used to actually be part of the process of you know design in a film too like if you if you knew it was coming to different audiences you actually would 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 make these subtitles more interesting and um, pop a little bit more and then suddenly it gets taken to a streaming service and it's just uh it, it it looks like it's a srt file you know that problem may go away once you actually can stream this on shutter i know that we've got in shutter releases uh, screeners where you get one audio track and it's the english track i watched an entire russian horror film that way with some really awkward dubbing, and I know there's a Russian language track. It just wasn't available to us at the time. So perhaps when you watch uh, this on Shudder, you will not have that problem. Maybe they'll have fixed it by then. But I can't blame the filmmakers for that, because that's not their fault. That's not on them. And the dialogue, as I said, I think is translated very well. I really never got lost in the story, and the characters really felt like they were speaking organically to one another, which is what you need in a movie like this, where the whole illusion is that it's supposedly happening for real. One of the things I found most interesting about this is the concept of faith is interesting to me. I'm I'm not a believer, let's just be clear about that to begin with, but I'm always fascinated by how that's represented on film and how people who believe a particular faith, whatever it is, behave within the context of the film. And of course, with a lot of these, you're always going to get some sort of confirmation. There's a supernatural element, blah, 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 blah. We've already talked about that a little bit. But what's interesting about this is that, again, there's a humanness to how these people believe the things they believe. You know, you have moments where Nim doubts whether she really has 
the spirit that she thinks she has, or if she's basically just doing a show. And her her sister, who was supposed to be the shaman, struggles with, you know, I have this new religion, and this is what it tells me, but this is what I'm experiencing. How do I get those things to work together? And you have the modernized mink, who's like, this is all old world garbage. I don't need any of it. I'm just going to go to work, and I'm going to go to party, and that's it. It was interesting to see these things clash in the way they did, and they obviously didn't do it in a way that happens like in our world because of the other elements of it. But it was just interesting to watch them have to deal with these things that have been, for at least two of the three of them, all of their life. Like, it's the important thing. It's the thing that is part of their identity. And then watch that have to be threatened with the situation they're in. And that's what makes this so much more interesting to watch than a lot of the the westernized examinations of faith, which almost always are about Christianity or, or something to that effect, to see something like this that is both completely different to me, but experienced in a completely different way was a, was a fascinating thing to watch. So yeah, the short version is, regardless of all the stuff that we've talked about with the subtitles, you should probably go see this movie. Well, on that note, why don't we move into our final thoughts? Drew, kick us off, please. You know, I actually like how the ant and this, you know, the main character like really works as a good source of exposition explaining the the mystery of it which kind of works for if you're looking for um some access to the to the film and the central mystery of it it's kind of nice to have this documentary crew there she's such, such a genuine character and she comes up going oh i don't think this is actually the goddess that we're expecting is going to happen this might be something you know more sinister that's happening and it's really believable because she's it really does it, it, like she starts the the, ten, the first 10 minutes of the movie that really feel um you know, like it could be a real documentary. So I, I loved her performance in it. And I think she's kind of the anchor of the entire movie. And I think she's kind of the real reason to watch it, especially there's a huge breakdown that she ha- she does kind of um, in, in the in the forest earlier. It's insane, like how um, she completely goes for it uh, in, in every way imaginable. And, and I did like some of the customs that they showed. I think they're like they're pretty unique. There's there's one scene when it kind of becomes more of a possession film where Mink is has a string wrapped around her head and there's a you know, they put a finger in, in a jar and a black substance kind of comes out. So I, I like touches like that. But yeah, I mean, I guess I guess overall, I would give it kind of six out of 10 offerings to the goddess. Lewayne? One of the things about what we usually refer to as found footage, a lot of times that's clearly a decision that's made for budgetary reasons or to make the movie easier to shoot. And in this case, this method gives this film the reality it needs to actually be more than just a horror movie that, that gets wild at the end. It creates a reality within the world of the film that we're not going to get if this is just a straight film and it's just shot like a regular film and we don't have people interacting with the camera or anything like that. Initially, I'm like, uh-oh, we'll see how this goes. But like Drew said, the, the early part of this, this feels like a documentary when you're watching it, and so you're invested. You get to see the raw humanness of the characters in it as a result because it, it doesn't have... I mean, I know it's edited, but it doesn't have the editing of like a conventional film. It's it's this sort of POV footage. It gives this movie a lot more weight than you'd think it would have. Like it could just be another, oh, it's another horror movie with some supernatural stuff and possession, whatever, you know. But it gives weight and consequence to the things that happen. And a lot happens near the end. And you feel all of it because you know, even some of the minor, like the camera guys, you don't really know, but you realize there's a human being that's experiencing this, watching it right in front of them, and in some cases getting involved whether they like it or not. 
just in talking about it, this movie's actually gone up a little bit <laughs> from my original rating. I'm going to give this four out of five Cobra cocktails. <laughs> to your point, Lowane, it does do a really good job of making the found footage format work in favor of the story. I oftentimes find that to be something of a detriment or a bit of a gimmick, but here it really does seem to work. And they also mix it up. You do have the documentary camera crew, but we also see footage that's taken from dashboard cams, security monitor footage, things of that nature. That tends to uh, open up the style a little bit. As much as I enjoyed it, there are moments where I think they repeat a lot of the same beats, especially in the days leading up to the ritual. There's some moments where I'm like, you already know she's running around the house. Uh, why haven't you locked her up? You don't need a whole week worth of footage to know that shit's been going on while you're asleep. Uh, yet you keep showing us what happens every night. I got that. I don't think we needed the whole thing to be repeated over and over. There are some beats here that I think get repeated way too often. And that is one of the limitations when you choose this particular style. Because you don't have the luxury of cutting stuff in and out as a normal editor might. You also have to deal with that lousy <laughs> convention of found footage where, gee, something's attacking me, but I'm not going to stop filming. I'm sorry, no camera crew is that fucking dedicated. <laughs> it's like, oh, something's biting me. Hold on. Let me try to get it in focus. This is some good stuff. Oh, look, there are my intestines. I'm like, no, that's ridiculous. By that third act, it just goes full horror movie. I mean, you are in a found footage horror. They're not even trying to hide it. It's just full-blown action, gore, and scary moments that are going to leave you feeling unsettled and questioning everything you've seen before. So in spite of those nitpicks, I thought this was really, really good work. I always try to judge a movie based on how much I enjoyed the experience of watching it. But I also have to take into account that sometimes a filmmaker does not want me to enjoy myself. Sometimes they just want to hurt me. They want to make me feel uncomfortable. And they're going to put me through the ringer. And that's what this movie does. While I can't say I was always enjoying it, I can't deny that the filmmakers accomplish their goal. If you're looking for a real bummer of a horror movie that is expertly crafted and wonderfully acted. We really can't say enough good things about this cast. They, they're incredible, and they commit to this material, and you always feel like you're watching a real person. I was highly impressed by all of them. I'm going to give this 9 out of 10 evil spirits lurking inside of a used condom, because apparently litter is haunted in Thailand. I've always wanted to go, but I am going to be very careful anytime I walk past a trash can because I don't know what's in there and whether or not it's going to possess me. Got yeah, baby shoes, too. It is disturbing. Well, baby shoes are just inherently scary. But yeah, definitely break out the aged uh, Cobra wine for this one. <laughs> I'll tell you what. This movie gave me a brand new respect for the Thai people because anybody who looks at a Cobra and thinks, I'll bet I can get drunk off of that is not someone I want to fuck with. 